Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Let's Engage in Fahrenheit Fearmongering this Friday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane and you're prepping for a wonderful, God-filled weekend for sure. Now, when my friend Janice was asked to manage her department at work after just a few years, she felt overwhelmed. Praying over it, she felt God was prompting her to accept the appointment. But still, she feared she couldn't cope with the responsibility. How can I lead with so little experience, she asked. Why put me in here if I'm going to be a failure? Later, Janice was reading about God's call to Abram in Genesis 12 and noted that his part was to go to the land and God will show you. So Abram went. This was a radical move because nobody uprooted like this in the ancient world. But God was asking him to trust him by leaving everything that he knew behind and he would do the rest. Identity, you'll be a great nation. Provision, I'll bless you. Reputation, a great name. Purpose, you'll be a blessing to all peoples on earth. He made some big mistakes along the way, but by faith, Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. This realization took a big burden off of Janice's heart. I don't have to worry about succeeding at my job, she told me later. I just have to focus on trusting God to enable me to do the work as God provides the faith that we need May we trust him with all our lives. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving and compassionate God. We want to surrender to you our fears and worries about succeeding in our roles and responsibilities. Please help us to do our part as you do yours. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We definitely need to surrender all things to God, including the power of climate change, because I think (laughs) God God can take control of that because we've got this Davos thing going on. In yesterday's show, we talked a lot about carbon, and a lot of folks want to say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. That's, you know, some European elitist going through their thing. Well, it does. Like last Sunday's paper, you've got Avista making deals to get out of an old aging coal strip power plant okay so it's it's coal that every now and again they have to fire it up so that we still have power when we need air conditioning or in the winter when we need more electricity for heat and other things so you know this carbon thing is going to affect us and it already is when you're talking about the cost of living for producing power and the cap and trade taxes on our fuels you betcha and as we always strongly encourage you folks you definitely need to reach out if you got any questions and things to that effect. We do have Mr. David Bolinius back in the studio with us here, and we're going to be talking on part two and talking about all of the fear mongering and whatnot that is associated with this climate change global warming thing. If you'd like to go ahead and pick up that phone, you can dial up David locally by dialing 509 468 9062. If you'd like to do the internet thing, I've got an email address, and that would be bolinius at gmail.com. I'll spell that last name. That'll be B-O-L-E-N-E-U-S at gmail.com. You know, at the end of yesterday's show, ladies and gentlemen, Tim went ahead and announced a book that we'd definitely like to point you in the direction of. And again, that book is entitled The Rational Climate Ebook. It is a 2022 publication, and if you'd like to go ahead and learn 
learn a little bit more about that publication, you can log on to www.patricepoyette.org. And I'll spell that. That'll be Patrice, P-A-T-R-I-C-E, Poyette, P-O-Y-E-T.org. Again, www.patricepoyette.org, the Rational Climate eBook. All of that being said, welcome back into the conversation, David. Thank you, Mike. Oh, you you betcha. Yeah, I was going to mention... because yesterday you said the thing about the uh, Avesta makes a deal to get rid of their aging uh, coal strip power plant. Well, my view on that is that uh, that could eventually be a big mistake. Coal, as you can see, uh, we could have a pile of coal out in the backyard, maybe a month's worth of power that we'll need or would like to have in case of a cold snap. Now, if we rely on natural gas, we have to realize, expect that it's going to get here in the pipeline. If we want electricity from wind turbines, we have to hope those things are still turning. Yes. Well, and the most ridiculous thing to me is, you know, I, I travel all across the state and I see trains, lots of trains along the Washington State highways. And I can tell you that there's a train or two trains every single day. They're a mile or so long. You know, obviously we can't burn coal here in the United States, but we sell train loads every single day going to the port going to china and are, are there are the guys in davos freaking out over china burning all the american coal i don't think so well i don't know that we're exporting it it's still until 2025 going to the power plant at centralia well i know there's some of that yeah there yeah. is a centralia now i don't plant. know maybe there's some export uh, you know i can't watch the trains yeah but uh, there's a lot of coal needed and so if we have coal available uh, we could stay warm Mm-hmm. I remember the coal being loaded into the furnace at my grade school. I used to sit there and watch the coal truck. It came came from the railroad, then you come over to the the grade school, and boy, we have we're going to stay warm here from these heaters. And I like to s- sit by the heaters here in the school. And because of coal and climate change, it was going to kill you before you got to the uh, age of fifty five, uh, right? You haven't anyway. made it to fifty five yet, have you? Um, <laughs> it was going to. I thought it was going to kill you off. Before see, if then. I've been working fifty years, what does that mean? I, well, you know, I, I think I think that maybe heating the school maybe that made public education cheaper then too. Could have been. Could yeah, have been. maybe. Yeah. I know it. Uh, paper was cheaper. We didn't have any copying machines at that time we had, we, had, we had to keep copying our our name on all these sheets we but, but, couldn't but, go to the copy machine and but we don't need paper and yeah, pencils right. anymore because we're all using these digital devices that swallow up all, all right. the power that we need battery operated things yeah or rare, rare earth minerals okay so moving on with climate what else do you have for us today on the climate because they're really pushing hard on this i know on our children and education okay. and our our companies I didn't get through all the material I want to talk about the last time. I did mention that a long time ago in Earth's history, 500 million years ago, the carbon dioxide level was 20 times higher than it is now. Mm-hmm. It was 8,000 parts per million. Today, it's 400. And then I wanted to offer a little bit of proof of why carbon dioxide is not a control knob for temperature. And the very best evidence of that comes from the ice cores that were bored by the American team, or I'm looking at the data from the European team, they bored a 10,000-foot borehole into the glacier in Antarctica. And so from that, they got information about the carbon dioxide level and the temperature. You, you, you can learn about the temperature because there are other elements like oxygen isotopes that will tell us what the temperature is. And so you can compare the uh, 
the peaks or the valleys of this chart for both the carbon dioxide level and the temperature. And I found every place that I checked on this 800,000 year record from this core hole that the temperature changes and then 2,000 years later, the carbon dioxide changes the same direction. So you're, so you're saying that the, the temperature is determining the, the carbon level more than the carbon level is controlling the temperature. That's right. It's because of the solubility of carbon dioxide in water. As water warms, the carbon dioxide comes out of the water. And that's what's happening. And then the carbon dioxide circulates through the, the oceans. And the circulation time is 2,000 years or 4,000 years. Well, because it's got to circulate through the the largest portion of the planet is covered with water and water just happens to be the largest omitter of carbon dioxide, right? Right, right. And and it's very, very soluble in water, particularly in, in cold water. The next little point I wanted to make is how plants change with different levels of carbon dioxide. That is, do they grow bigger or stay the same if you have a controlled environment of carbon dioxide. And I'm looking at an example here of a flowering red shrub that was used in an experiment where they grew the shrub at 150 parts per million, which is the glacial level of carbon dioxide at a level of 270 parts per million carbon dioxide, then 350 and finally 700 parts per million carbon dioxide. And what I'm looking at here on this chart is that the uh, 150 ppm level, the plant in 14 days only could make a root uh, to about four inches. So, so you're talking about a lower carbon level. Lower carbon and, level. And, and the plant is just that little twig. Right. And then you raise that uh, over the same 14-day <laughs> period, and you're looking at a plant that is about 10 times the size. Right. And so at the 700 part per million level, the plant has a root that stretches down to about 30 inches, maybe 36 inches. I think, yeah, I wrote down here, 35 inches. So compared to it was eight inches at the glacial level. Now, I actually so know, where, I, I know where I've seen this before. When I was looking at the book, the ebook that you recommended had that same chart. Did it? Okay. It, it did have that well, same. that's probably where I got that. The same exact chart. And, and so you're looking mm-hmm. at plant growth, which, you know, I mean, especially for those people that want us to eat bugs and get away from eating meat, if they want to eat nothing but plants, we're going to need them to grow pretty well. So we need to, we need that carbon. So the uh, other, another uh, researcher reported uh, based upon satellite data where he could, we could actually measure the, the vegetative index called the NDVI or EVI. I won't, won't say what they are, but he found that the greening of the earth in the last 30 years has added two green continents the size of North America in 30 years mm-hmm. because carbon dioxide level has increased during this period. Well, it's my understanding that we're seeing greening happen even in you know places that we would traditionally <clears throat> look at as you know desert-type landscapes, places that you wouldn't expect any kind of plants to be growing. 50 or 100 right. years ago now have uh, plant life growing on their own. Just, you know, nobody's out there watering it and farming it. It's just appearing. Like the expansion of some of these forests that they say were going to disappear are growing. Exactly. Now, I still operate our family wheat farm, and we have yields in our uh, for our wheat now that are up in the 90 bushel per acre range. Now, I recall when I was a 
a youngster, I think we were lucky to get 40 bushels per acre. Of course, we didn't have fertilizer as much that, at that time. Uh-huh. And we had a lot of weeds because we didn't have herbicides. Well, I hope so your children we, are, are willing to go back to that because we might still have the carbon dioxide <laughs> that they can actually never get rid of. But they do want to get rid of, you know, your ability to farm with diesel fuel and and those herbicides and, and pesticides to keep the uh, insects from destroying crops. So, it, you know... I don't know if they can do the math about the population and what they need to feed and the taxes. Would farming work out if you're only getting 35 bushels per acre? Not today. So that would be, it would be completely unsustainable. I would, I would say so. Yes. Wow. That, uh, that, that's pretty amazing. So folks, we got to take a break. You got to come back because, uh, this is such an important topic. If you want to continue, well, have food in the fridge, but you want to continue to have liberty and freedom for your children in the future. They need to understand the lies and the hoaxes around the climatology that Mr. David Bolognius is, is telling us today because it is unbelievable that we're telling people that the world is going to end because of temperature and carbon dioxide when really it's going to end because we're going to have no power to save ourselves. Yeah, you bet. We'll be back in just a minute or so. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity and ability to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank you, Mike Fagan, for your 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective. And we wish you well in your sabbatical and anticipate hearing from you again from time to time. Listeners, it's because of your support we will continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620, Spokane, Wa 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487 487- Three seven eight four, and welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining Mike and Tim on Let's Engage in Fahrenheit Fear Mongering this Friday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. And you know something, Tim? Yeah, the thing that really gets me about this whole discussion here, you know, Thursday show, David may did a great job of laying out all of this history and. I mean, unequivocally, it's not getting warmer. It's actually gotten a little colder, this, that, and the other thing. And it's kind of like, man, why aren't the, you know, world scientists getting this and being very vocal about it? Because they're paid government wages based upon the climate science method instead of the scientific method. Because science isn't what pays the bills, it's government grants. (laughs) And the government grants are getting controlled by, you know, outside forces like the World Economic Forum. Yeah, you bet. Well, I tell you, man, I, for one, would really, really appreciate it if we could get some of the other folks that are out there listening, that are, you know, just dabbling around the edges to take a a nosedive into this stuff and then work their own networks and get the truth out. Well, I think what's going to end up having to happen to really save our bacon, because pigs eat, you know, green stuff that needs carbon dioxide. So (laughs) if you have bacon, you got to have what the pigs eat. So the the only thing that's going to save us is actually, I think, 
people digging into the books like we talked about today and listening to the information, getting a hold of David Bellinius and maybe filing lawsuits against government and scientists and their organizations for basically perpetuating a hoax on the on the people and using the power that they're gathering up by lying and about the science yeah and i and i think that's going to be a big piece of it is holding people accountable who are misusing federal dollars folks all of this climate science that they're lying to us about is federal money our tax dollars money our great 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 grandchildren that they're gonna have to pay the bill on that those borrowed grants yes i agree i mentioned a comment earlier about avista and i want to i want to say that avista is in as much trouble in fact as we are when it comes to electricity, but they are obligated under law to follow the state law. Uh-huh. And so they're trying to do the best job they can, but nobody really knows if the plan that our governor and our legislature has laid out for us is going to work, right. whether it will be successful. So right. I just want to make that point. Well, of course, the power companies just want to operate a business. They want to operate. They have they have uh, stakeholders. They have uh, people that they have to pay. They have to be able to operate their equipment, pay their employees. They just want to run a business. And and so the state guidelines uh, around their business, like building more wind turbines that I know you wanted to talk about, but we'll have to do it another time. There's so many elements to this, but you showed us before we came on the air today an example coming out of Australia where they went totally green and it really kind of turned into totally dark. Yes, it did. And, you know, I, I got to wholeheartedly agree with everybody's sentiment and comments with regard to Avista. I mean, this is the first year that I can remember where Avista was on the front end of making those announcements. Hey, we don't know what kind of year it's going to be. You may end up seeing some rolling brown or blackouts. Yeah. Well, you know, following you know, following uh, California's lead. Right. Well, in removing that coal plant, that all has to do with following Washington state legislature's carbon footprint for power companies. And, and so they're just trying to fall within those guidelines, which means that we're not going to have an emergency power source with that coal plant. There's so much more material to cover. We'll have to do it, you know, some other week or some other month. But the, the last few comments I want to make here are comments from three experts speaking about carbon dioxide and methane because methane's been blamed too. It seems to be uh, in the news more than carbon dioxide. But to start with, I want to mention the comments by Dr. William Happer. He's a professor of physics at Princeton University. He was a science advisor to the president of the United States. Now, so he's a well-decorated scientist He said the climate, to quote from him in a video, and he made several of them, climate is always fluctuating and fluctuations have nothing to do with carbon dioxide. He says carbon dioxide is not a control knob for temperature. Carbon dioxide is good. It is plant food, as I have said that. But, and then the increases in carbon dioxide we are seeing now have nothing to do with climate because carbon dioxide, as I mentioned, earlier, and I gave you the evidence from the ice core, is not controlled by, carbon dioxide does not control temperature. Well, it was kind of interesting, too, when you were going through that (coughs) graph, and I was looking at the information, you decided you wanted to look at the European data, (coughs) but when I looked at the difference between the American data and the European data for the, the ice core samples and the carbon dioxide that they had found, 
really they found the same thing. They just laid out the information a little differently. So it was very, very close to what those scientists found. And it didn't, it didn't, I wasn't alarmed by it, but from either scientist group from America or Europe. Yeah, I would agree. The, uh, I, I was just using the, uh, the European data because it's a longer core and it has a longer uh, history of 800,000 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, and it was a lot of trouble trying to get the data, but anybody can get it. It's at the, at the NOAA paleoclimatology website. And so I got it there and there's a lot of other information besides carbon dioxide and temperature. But to continue with Dr. Happer, he said that the idea that carbon dioxide is causing runaway temperature is simply not true. And it has never been true. The dinosaurs lived at a time when carbon dioxide was three times higher than it is now. It was then 1,200 parts per million. Carbon dioxide also was responsible for the explosion of life at the beginning of the Cambrian period when it was 7,000 parts per million, 17 times higher than now. Wow. So as I mentioned earlier, today we are in a carbon dioxide drought. Mm-hmm. Anyway, throw that thing around. So we're, we're, um, so, so we're basically, because we're so clean and really our, our emissions that we are producing – you know, I, I don't think any civilization has ever been so piled on top of each other in in compact cities. So people look out across their city and they say, oh, we have pollution. But you drive 30 miles and there's no sign of the pollution they're talking of. And so uh, it's easy to convince those urban areas that there's a problem because they're looking at the pollution out on the sidewalk or, or looking across their yeah. sunrise. But you, they go 30 miles, it's a totally different picture. That's right. I, I traveled several years ago to Beijing, and then I did work out in the interior in Henan province. Now, of course, Beijing was, you know, so many people, so many cars, trucks, buses, and, and high-rises. Industry. But, but, you know, you couldn't see very far because of, of, the, of the smoke. Mm-hmm. But once I got to Henan, we were out in the countryside, and it was clear, cold, crisp. You know, it was beautiful, just like the rural areas around eastern Washington. And, and so, you know, they have the same kind of climate as, that we do in that area. Mm-hmm. They still have people, still have caves where people were living in caves from way back when. I was surprised to see caves that were dug in, in the soil. Wow. Anyway, so I'm going to get back to this. There's a, another expert I wanted to mention. His name is William Weingarten. He's from York University in Toronto. And he talks about methane. And, and so I'm Now, now methane, you, you said that earlier. I've got yes. it because there's always got to be a new bad guy. Because yeah. you, you end up ruining the old bad guy. Because he's got to get old and retire. People find out he's not that bad or that that bad guy didn't really exist. They made him to look like he was big and scary and had this horrible voice. And then you open up the green curtain yep. and you're like, what is this munchkin doing here, right? Yeah. So, you know, the new demon, the new devil that's going to kill us all. Is methane? Is that how it's going? Because right. because too many people are to learning be. about carbon dioxide, right? <clears throat> yeah, right. Now the the argument for methane that being uh, dangerous is that it's more potent than carbon dioxide. And and our cows but, put it off, right? More, but yeah, that's right. Cows put it. That we got they got to go after uh, another segment <clears throat> of the food supply. But there's there's two other factors one needs to consider, even though it's more potent, its concentration is very very tiny. And its saturation is also very, very tiny. So if one considers that 
the carbon dioxide we're giving off and the methane that's that's coming out of the earth, it's not dangerous if we would consider all the three of those factors. It's saturation, it's concentration, and it's... Uh, well, well, the concentration... It, go ahead. Concentration and, and even the, the fact that it's more potent. So if we compare to water, these two compounds to water, if we compare carbon dioxide to water and methane to water after we consider all these factors, water is the main greenhouse gas, and that's well known. So you're talking evaporation, that, steam? No, I'm just talking about humidity. If we have we have uh, water that's in the air, like the humidity is, is 2%, it's the main greenhouse factor. And water is 2,500 times more powerful, more potent a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. And water is 11,000 times more potent than methane. And so that puts methane in its place it doesn't belong in the news to be the new bad guy. It simply it cannot it cannot operate in that realm. So it's not right. a dangerous gas. And in fact, what's never been mentioned. But like her, and, but but just like with carbon dioxide being produced mostly naturally, even if man didn't exist, if we were wiped off the earth, carbon dioxide would still exist in large part in unchanged from from what you know, from man's occupation of the earth, if you will, the way they want to put it, right? But when you look at methane, I would think the largest concentrations of unneeded methane, uh, I mean, obviously it's all over the planet, you know, things break down and they give off this methane, but the most unnecessary ones you would find uh, in state capitals and D.C. <laughs> okay. So, you know, if we want to talk about needless flatulence, but th this this science that they're trying to attack us and our children and our food supplies with methane's just going after the cattle. It seems like to me with the news I see. Well, the you know the methane comes from other sources. It comes from uh, bacteria give it off. It comes from digestion of organic materials, and it's it's a product of, uh, no, no, of anaerobic act or aerobic activity. Earth's so digestion. It's, it's come yeah, earth's digestion. It's coming out of the soil, every place. And in fact, I found a book that shows that methane is coming out of the oceans, and we don't know how much. But we know that every place there is uh, sediment flowing into the oceans at deltas, you know, rivers flowing offshore and leaving their, their silt behind. The silt is accumulating with organic material like, you know, dead animals. And eventually, there's going to be methane come out from all of those areas. Now, I was born and raised in this region, and I took a trip to Florida. And, you know, I was used to the Oregon coast, Washington coast. The, the waves come crashing in. And, you know, it's a beautiful sight. And I you know, was down in Florida, and lots of people want a vacation in warm places. The waves came crashing in, and I'm like, what's that horrible smell? Yeah. You know, and oh. it's the rotting material that's giving off all that methane. Go. So maybe if people would just take less vacations to breathe in the methane at warmer climates, you know, this would all just go away. <laughs> I highly unfortunately, doubt it. we're out of time, so we're not going to be able to spread any more methane today with you. But definitely, right. we need to be looking at that book. And Mike's going to go through that information again. We're going to have David Blenius back because he's got a book full of more information. We're going to go more in depth. So get yourself educated before the next time David comes back. You bet. The name of that book that we're referring to is called The Rational Climate Ebook, and the author is Patrice Poyet. 
and you can go ahead and preview that book, maybe even purchase that book off of Patrice's webpage. You can go to www.patricepoyette.org. Again, that'll be patricepoyette.org. The name of the book, one more time, The Rational Climate Ebook. All of that being said, thank you so very much for your time. Once again, Mr. David Bolinius, we're definitely going to have you back here to explain a little bit, educate uh, the listeners a little bit more with regard to this thing called global warming and climate change. Now, all you fathers and grandfathers out there, gather up the family, glorify and praise God. Give the family a great big hug and a kiss. Remind them that you love them a lot. Take them somewhere nice this weekend. Mike and Tim, we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye.